short passage this morning. Revelation 14, we're reading um, from verse 6 to verse 13. Revelation 14, verse 6. He's just joined us at the church. We're working through the book of Revelation and so uh, this is where we're at. And it's quite a sobering passage, especially in the light of uh, the media comments that have been flying around this last week um, to do with a rugby player, um, Israel Folau. And I'll be mentioning him a little bit, but this passage really is relevant. Let's read together. Revelation 14 verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours, for their deeds follow them. Well, it's been said that religion is the opium of the people, but the real opium is the belief in a nothingness after death. Someone said, there is no station at the end of life, therefore, just the journey matters. That's a lie from Satan. And that belief is, I believe, what is behind the media storm and the, uh, not just the media storm, the internet storm too that broke out this last week when Israel Folau made those statements he did about gays going to hell. Someone in the crowd asked him in the middle of a whole interview, so what's your opinion on gays? And so he quoted scripture back at them and just said, this is what scripture says and I'm a Christian so this is what I believe. But he gave a wider context in their conversation. But what does the media do? They go and grab that little sentence and they blow that up and there it goes onto social media and people go ballistic. He hates gays. He went on, on a website of his to go and write a good, really well-balanced response. And I believe he's a mature Christian. And uh, I'll try and get that link for you. Uh, I know Nicky's got it and we'll, we'll give it to you next week. We'll put it in the bulletin. But go and look at it. It's a really good, mature response to what the media was saying. 
But I hope that as believers we don't get, we hear these things and we climb on board with the rest of the community and we kind of fillet this guy alive. He was being a mature believer, but he was misquoted. And that's what Scripture is telling us about. It's because people don't believe what God's Word says. And they don't want to believe it. And so they put blame on the messengers. So let's look at this series of visions that we see in this passage. Last week, just to remind you, thank you Michael, we looked at the 144,000 who are sealed, God's believers that are sealed for eternity. And we see that God's people continue to face trials from the devil and his agents, the beasts. Now if that sounds a bit fast for you, you'll have to go and catch up. It's too much here. However, last week we also, see that all, we also saw that all is not lost, that, that in spite of the beast and the, his best efforts of terrifying God's people, not one of God's people in Christ will be lost. Take courage in that. If you are in the Lord, not one of you will be lost. You will reach that place on the mountain top, that celebration on Mount Zion, if you follow Christ. You will get there, because Christ will bring you there. And then the second thing that I believe comes from that passage is too, is that just like the Old Testament people had to head up to Jerusalem every year, and so they had this pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem, we are also on a pilgrimage. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're not just wandering around aimlessly in life, picking up the seashells along the seashore. We have an aim in life. We have a clear destination, Zion, the city of the king. But we tend to forget that. We get caught up in the world around us. Well, there's a whole change of mood now as we come to this passage this morning. We've seen that wondrous thing that there is going to be that feast and celebration with the Lord on Mount Zion. But now the mood changes and we have this scene of these three angels doing low flying and that appeals to my aviation sense. Um, but they're low flying, they're on the horizon flying low so that they will be seen and heard. That's what the Revelation always points out. When we see low flying angels of any kind, it's there so that we'll pay attention to what they're saying and listen to what they say. And so here they come. And I need to ask you this morning as we look at these pictures, look at the big picture. Don't get caught in the little details again. Revelation is all about the big picture. See the big picture. So what is this first angel saying that we see in verses 6 to 7? I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, this is his message, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs. Of water. What is this angel declaring? He's declaring an eternal gospel. What does that mean? A gospel that doesn't change, that is forever there. Doesn't change. And he's preaching it to those who live on earth, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And we've seen in our studies before that that means there's no exclusion. Everyone that lived on this earth and that will live on this earth, this gospel message applies to them. And so if you're sitting here amongst us, I'm afraid to say that it applies to you and I as well. 
an eternal gospel. It, it applies to believers and unbelievers, including the Talaandik. They had to come under this eternal message as well, when Jason and Shirley brought it into that area. It's a gospel for all peoples, no exceptions. And you and I aren't exceptions either. And what is the content of this gospel? This is our mission statement. Fear God. Give Him all. Give Him reverence. He is God. He is eternal God. We are His creations. He is the Creator God. Fear Him. Give Him glory. May all your worship be directed to God. And not to yourself. Not to things around you. Not to other gods. Fear God. Give Him glory. Why? And here's the reason. Because the hour of His judgment has come. I'll come back to that. Worship Him. He's the Creator God. He made heaven and earth, says this message. He made heaven and earth. In other words, everything that you see in this earth and on this earth and around this earth. He made the sea and the springs of water. Now, why the mention of sea and springs of water? Well, the sea speaks of, in their worldview, speaks of death and things mysterious. So even those things we don't understand, those things which scare us, God loves us. He's the in control God. He's the sovereign God. And not just that, He also made the springs of water, the source of life, the unknown and the source of life. But the mistake we make as people, and the mistake that the Talaandig made, because Jason told us their history previously, is that many of them worship the Creator. Sorry, many of them worship the created things, not the Creator. If you look around society today and the movements around in society, many are worshipping the created things, not the Creator. They don't want to see the Creator. And I know with the Talaandik too, many of them worship the spirits of the forest and other things around them. They worship those sacred trees and all kinds of things, but not the Creator. Their eyes had to be opened to the one who comes across those things, the one who is much greater. And you and I too, we must worship the Creator God, says this eternal gospel message. No exclusions. If I can bring application already to you now, is there perhaps someone that you've assumed will not listen to the gospel and so you've never taken the gospel to? You see, God is God and we are merely created beings. And we are told to take out the eternal gospel and let it rest with God. He will do what He will do. We are to be faithful in taking out that gospel. And so maybe that person that we've assumed will never respond to the gospel, maybe we should now start praying for them because they're in the hands of the Creator God. And maybe we should consciously be seeking to share the gospel message with them. This message that's been summarized here for us. No exceptions. What does the second angel say we see in verse 8? And another angel, a second, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now do you see the pictures changed? Here we have this picture of a prostitute who draws people to her. And her name is Babylon. And he's summarizing here. This angel is speaking about a worldly system which is anti-God. She's called Babylon. 
and everything that goes with this worldly system. Anyone who stands against the Lord. What is he saying here? Well, let's look at the, the language used here. He's using the language, your Bible will say fallen, fallen. In the original it's fell, fell. Yes, it's still to happen, but it's so clear that it will happen that it's already happened. Fell, fell is Babylon the Great. It's used in the completed form of the word. The future, it's in the future, but it's imminent and certain as if Babylon has already fallen. Nothing can undo her falling. That's the language used here. It's urgency. And when we get to chapter 17, we'll see more detail about what will happen to Babylon. You see, Scripture uses this picture of Babylon as a symbol of the sinful worldly system which is opposed to God. And yes, it was speaking about the city of Babylon which would fall in the near history to the people, but essentially it's speaking about those who will not come under the Lord, who refuse to listen to His voice, who are part of this world, those who are opposed to God. And this picture is here of a prostitute luring her lovers to her with wine and intoxicating them with her idolatry. It's not a new idea. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 6, and I'll just read that to you very quickly. There's a picture already of this Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance, the repayment He is rendering her. And then if you carry on reading through the book of Jeremiah, you'll find how that becomes clearer and how God brings His judgment. So what's the angel saying here? The angel is is saying here as he flies over the people, take note, Babylon the harlot will fall. And when you go and read further in the books of Jeremiah and and, and various other books that we've got, and I won't mention them all here, we've mentioned them before, and also later in Revelation you'll see that he's speaking about this political and economic systems which are so tied up in this world that they will come under God's judgment and they will end. Things aren't just going to carry on as they always have. There is going to come a time when things as we know them will end. And so instead of worrying about the latest stock prices, the message here is mankind should stop and take stock of their own standing before God. And anyone who sets himself or herself up against the true and the living God and participates in the evil of Babylon is foolish and their days are numbered. That's essentially what this angel is proclaiming. Anyone who drinks of her wine and takes part of her fornication will fall under the judgment that is due to Babylon. One day the world and the system it represents will fall and end, whereas the heavenly city, the heavenly system of Zion is eternal. Do you see the contrast? I want to apply right here as well. What do you perhaps find hardest as a believer about living in Babylon as a citizen of the heavenly Zion? We're only passing through. What do you find hardest living in Babylon and amidst Babylon? John chapter 17 verse 14 to 16 
uses this phrase, we are to be in the world but not of the world. So what does that mean? Perhaps you and I are living with too much of the world in us. We've absorbed too much of this world and everything that it represents, everything that it offers that is shiny and glittery, that appeals to our senses, everything that is anti-God, it appeals to us, the excitement. Maybe we've got too much of the world in us. But then the opposite is also true. Maybe we are too little in the world. What do you mean by that? Well, sometimes we as believers are guilty of so getting together inside our holy huddles and inside our Christian organisations and inside our Christian friendships that we don't mix with the world. We're not effective as salt because the salt isn't even out in the world. We're to be in the world but not of the world. Yet we are not to have too much of the world in us, but we are to be in the world too. You're not confused, are you? Be in the world, be salt in the world, but don't listen to the prostitute calling. It's so easy, she's got a very sweet voice. And it does appeal to us. Don't listen. Her ways lead to judgment. Thirdly, we see the angel in verses 9 to 11. The third angel. And what does this angel come and announce? He's announcing judgment. And if you thought there were details before, now look at the detail. And these are the details that the world hates. They don't want to hear about this. I saw this so clearly. Um... Steve Barron wrote an article, and I'm mentioning his name, in this week's paper. Anti-God, anti-Christian. Blatantly so. He doesn't want to hear. He's never read God's word, he says, because I'm afraid, I don't think he wants to hear this. I don't want to attack the man. I pray for the man. Because he is like the rest who need to hear the gospel message and be saved by Jesus. What is the faith of those who worship the beast instead of going God's way? Our text says that they will drink in full measure the mixed in full measure of God's wrath. Now stay with me here. God says if they will not hear, if they listen to this prostitute, they will drink in full measure. In other words, no mercy is going to be shown to them. What are they going to drink in full measure? They're going to drink the full measure, mixed in full measure, of God's wrath. What does that mean? They're going to experience the undiluted, but not just that, it's deliberately mixed to full strength, wrath. Did you get that? God is a holy God. He can't tolerate the least of sins. Because then he would not be God. And being at the same time a fully 100% holy God, at the same time he is a 100% just judge. And he must punish sin. 
And so those who do not listen to the voice of God, but who listen to the voice of the adulterer, Babylon, they will drink God's full measure of wrath. We are just the messengers. Israel for law was just a messenger of a bigger God. And so people need to argue with God about it, not with the messenger. We have to be faithful in giving us the full message of the gospel. You see, if we take out the gospel message, there's more than just the good news. There is the reason for the good news. And if we take out half a gospel, it is no gospel at all. So don't avoid speaking about hell. Don't avoid speaking about brimstone. But it must be overshadowed and brought out with so much light that God is the God of love. God is the God of mercy and He is the God of love and mercy to anyone who will come. It doesn't matter whether they are gay or straight. It doesn't matter whether they are the least of sinners or the biggest of sinners. God's mercy is available to every single person, every single nationality, every single language group. No exception. Anyone can come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Every single one can come. And if you don't, you will come up against a God who is holy and just, says our text. And this punishment that he will bring will carry on, verse 11, forever and ever. And it's all those who follow the beast and, ha- and they will have no rest from that judgment. Think about that. God's punishment on unbelief will happen forever and ever and ever and ever. There will be no relent. It will be forever. They will have no rest. And, says our text, they will be forced to to acknowledge Him who is standing right there before them while they are being judged. They will be punished in His presence. Why is that important? It's important because of the theology that's behind it. And it's a theology given to us by God Himself that He is sovereign. And He will be in control in the way that people are judged. He is in control of hell and everything that happens in there. It doesn't just happen. It's not out of His control. He is there. People will be punished in His presence. Justly so. And He will measure out His wrath to them under full control of what is happening. Sound shocking to you? It should. You see, the true gospel message does not dispense with hell as many do today but it warns of the reality of hell. And yes, you may shut your eyes to the facts, but that doesn't take away the facts. And the media may not like the facts, and they might, might try and blur the facts with sensation, but it doesn't take away the facts. And whether they believe in the Gospel and the Bible or not, it doesn't take away the truth of what the Bible contains. And so they need to take heed. And the horror of His judgment, you see, is what is stated clearly for us. But, as believers, 
The horror of His judgment makes His mercy even greater. And that's what we should be proclaiming. We should not so emphasize the hell that the love of God is lost in it. We should overwhelm with the love of God, but also proclaim that the wrath of God is there if they don't hear what God has to say. And so, what do we do with all this? Well, the summary is here for us in verses 12 and 13. It's a so what of this whole passage. What do we do with this? Let's read it together, verse 12 and 13. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So the whole reason behind why this thing, this, these angels were flying and this message was out there was yes, so the people on earth would hear, but here it is. And this is for John's readers. Remember those who are under persecution. Here is a call for them to endure, those who are called saints, and to keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. There's a reason for this. And we might have expected John's message to be that non-believers should repent, and that believers should share the gospel. Well, yes, it is saying that, but those are only the implications and the spin-offs of the greater message which is here for us. And so, yes, Unbelievers must come to Jesus Christ and repent of their sins because of the enormity of judgment that is waiting them if they don't. And believers, you and I, we should be sharing the gospel because of the enormity of hell and everything that awaits those who will not come. It should give us an urgency in the way we share the word. But those are only the implications of this passage. What is the main thrust? It's for you and I as believers. When the world gets tough around you, when life gets tough around you, when you look around you don't know how you can carry on, and you look around you at unbelievers and they seem to be thriving, this is what God's Word says to you. Endure patiently. Don't give up. Don't listen to Babylon. Endure patiently. Do what God has put before you to do. What is that? Proclaim the enduring gospel. It's the only message we have to take out to the world. There is urgent labor to be done to take the gospel out to those who are on their way to hell. Show compassion for the lost. Speak to people about their need of Jesus Christ in their lives. And so what if they ridicule you? So what if they make fun of you? Endure in the work that God has put before you. It's only for a while that we've got to carry on and do what He's told us to do. And then, when He returns, we will rest. And so you see, there's a choice to be made for every single one here. A choice that will irreversibly chart the course of your eternal destiny. If you're an unbeliever here today, will you live now for the wanton pleasure and self-fulfillment that this life offers. And that's all. And it will result in a Christless eternity of unrelieved torment. Or, here's the other option. Will you come to Jesus Christ? And once you've been saved by Jesus Christ, will you then faithfully persevere through Jesus Christ? Obey Him. His commands. Love those who are lost around you. Tell them about the hope that is to be found in the gospel. 
Let them see the urgency in your life. Let them see the compassion in your heart for them. May they be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus Christ. And may they be drawn to Him to be saved. You see, it's only those two things. The rest are peripheral. Living in Christ or outside of Him. No exception. I want to plead with you as a pastor here. If you still do not know Jesus Christ, come to Him. He offers salvation to you. He offers you a way to live for eternity. A way to not have to be under that hell and brimstone we've been speaking about today. His love is so great for you. But you know, our sin is so deep in us that we would rather hold on to those things. And it's only for this life. And then, for an eternity, that's all you've had. And you stand before the living God and He will judge with His full wrath on you. Would you escape that? Come to Jesus Christ, the one who loves you, the one that we read about right at the beginning of the service. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Would you come to that Jesus and be saved? Let's pray together. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come to passages like this in Your Word which are all about hell and damnation. But Lord, we also see that the message of the Gospel is there. That You love us so much that You sent Your only Son to this earth to bring not just the way and the message of how to be saved, but to become the one who would do the saving. The one through whom we can come and be saved. If only we would bow our knees and allow Him to be Lord of our lives and to take away our state of sinfulness before Him. Lord, I pray that the stumbling words of a man will be taken and that You would use these words And that your spirit would save those who are to be saved this morning. And Lord, for us who are believers, help us to deepen our ears to the call of the world around us. To come to it and to enjoy everything that it has to offer. Lord, may we enjoy being believers on this earth that you've created. And all the beauty that there is and all the good things that you've given to us. But Lord, may we not put ourselves under the spell of the one who is behind everything that would draw away from you. Save us from this world too, we pray. And Lord, I pray for those who are Christians who are struggling in their lives. May the message of today's word that they are to endure in Christ and that you will bring them through. May that strengthen their hearts, Lord. And may they stay faithful to Jesus Christ and faithful to your commands until we see you reappearing as our Lord and Saviour. Keep us faithful, we pray. Amen. Let's step.